0: This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast
1: with Andrew McKay-Smith. G'day, everybody. Hope you're well. I've got a tremendous chat to share with you. This one features Rob Rief He is the bassist and vocalist in Laceration Mantra and also Motorize, one of the world's premier motorhead tributes. Now, in Laceration Mantra, he's joined by... Scotty Edgar. Now, I had Scotty on the show about 12 months ago or thereabouts. Scott is also the guitarist in Misery. So you are talking about Rob and Scotty being a part of Queensland Extreme Metal Royalty. Both bands, at this point in time, it must be said, are at the head of the table when it comes to the scene. Now, the catalyst for this chat, well, there's multiple reasons, but ultimately, Rob and I, we're part of the same scene. We're both Brisbane locals, and it's just great to have a chat with a bloke who knows some of the people that I know and is also an excellent and outstanding musician. Now, we kick off the chat by talking about what's coming up for Laceration Mantra, and on that note, I have a tune to share with you. This one is titled, Annihilation Through Idolatry. It is the first cut from the EP released in 2016. Infested. Once it's done, we'll dive into the conversation. Let's go. How you been mate,
0: um, yeah, not bad. Um, been busy um, working on getting this album done. Um, Scott's been working his ass off, so we're doing it all ourselves, mm-hmm. and uh, he's just immersed himself in it. So the amount of hours he spent, yeah, <laughs> and every now and again, I'll just get oh. Can you come over, have a listen to this? Oh, yeah, all right. So I'll go over there and we'll nut out some stuff and I'll give you my input. And, uh, yeah, I was over there the other day and, it's yeah, it sounded huge. I bet it so, is,
1: yeah. This is album number three for you guys too, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah, big stepping stone.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I know, look, you guys are pretty much legends of the local scene. I think between you guys and, and Scott's other band, Misery, I mean, you pretty much got it wrapped up on the extreme metal front. I know there are other bands out there, but just in terms of the uh, the enjoyment factor from an old-school metal fan's perspective, I mean, Laceration, Mantra, man, those two albums, are they're just enormous. And, you know, with you out the front there, man, I mean, you've just got that, that like that, Dave, you know, take this as a compliment, please, but, you know, that David Vincent-style frontman thing, you've got that down, Pat, as well.
0: Oh, they'll definitely take that as a compliment, yeah. I've seen them a few times and, yeah, he, um, as a front man, that's something you want to aspire aspire to, definitely.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's it. So so Scotty basically writes writes it all, gets it sorted effectively and then brings you over to add your your special magic to it.
0: Well, actually, no. Like most of this, uh, most of the stuff that we've done on the three albums, I'd say probably 70% of it has been me.
1: Okay, there you doing go. the
0: writing, um, and then he'll. Um, that's where we've got a. We're really lucky as a band because the three of us are such good mates that there isn't any. Um, there's no problem if you want to um, question something or say, oh, "I don't think I like that." Can we try something else? That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I've been really good with that with him because I respect him as a musician and Anthony both with what they've done and they're the same with me. So there's that really good rapport as when the songwriting uh, element of things occurs. Um, so if there's like there's a song off the new off the one we're working on now where the, the general feel and everything of the song and the wrist was pretty much completely me and the lyrics, but we just couldn't, I don't know, we couldn't get it where we wanted it. Mm. But I was I was quite um, confident and had no problem with saying to Scott, look, take it away. Just fuck with it, you know, mm. see what you can uh, do with it. And he went, oh, okay. And he did the same thing with one of his on the new thing. He just gave it to me and said, look, I want the wrist to say the same, but just rearrange it however you want it and put the vocals in. Mm -hmm. So there's that really good working relationship when it comes to songwriting. And then there's also other things like where it'll come in the room and we'll all be happy with the riffs and stuff, but we'll be like, oh, how can we add to it? What can we, you know, where can we put separation or how can we do something a little bit different and we'll just jam on it in the room? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's really good um, atmosphere when it comes to the three of us songwriting that we can work off each other.
1: Yeah, and then and it also helps the fact that you're in motorized together as well.
0: Because, oh yeah, well it's, yeah. <laughs> that's just this everything all together where we're at the point where we were like, man, how can we generate some more income? Because everything that we do with Laceration Mantra <laughs> is all. Um, all the monetary side of it is only uh, what we earn as a band, right? So we're not contributing uh, earnings from each other into it. It's all just what we earn. So we were like, how can we earn more money to help our original music uh, without having to donate money from our own personal accounts? So we were like, well, we all love Motorhead. Like, we've all loved them since... Like way back. So we said, why don't we try doing something like that? And I said to the other two boys, well, it's only going to happen if I can get his register. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And, you know, because he's there in completely different tuning. I've got to be able to nail his register on vocals to be able to do it. And I said to Scott, uh, you've got to be willing to learn those solos as close to note for note as you can because. We noticed where a lot of other uh, covers/slash tributes in when they do Motorhead, they'll just go, "Oh, what keys it in," and the salt the guy doing lead, will just play something in that key.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But I said to Scotty, nah, "You you got to try and nail it, man. Like Brian Robertson, that sort of stuff. You got to get it." So he's totally taken it on board, and it makes a massive impact because it's like. Well, how would it be if I just jumped into the into Lemmy's melody lines on vocal and just completely changed it?
1: Yeah, yeah. You do a great job musically, though. Too, I'm talking about your bass playing because I, I saw you guys when you're at the back room with the Thin Lizzy tribute middle. Oh of last, yeah, yeah, yeah. Middle of last year, whenever it was, but. Um, being a bassist, you know, I tend to sort of – and and, and sing it too, but mainly a bass player, I tend to yeah. focus on on that bass performance angle, if you like. And was it Stay Clean or Lost in the Ozone? You did the solo, man, note perfect in that.
0: Uh, it would have been Stay Clean, yeah. 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 yeah, well, you know, like that was – you know, I'm a bit um, – people say I'm just crazy what I can play on the bass and sing in Laceration Mantra, but mm. when it came to – Doing what Lemmy does I really had to um, kind of go back to the drawing board like because he plays so many drone notes and um, to make the sound bigger so I really had to um, like I'd learn a song for instance and I'd think oh yeah that's it but then I'd go back and go nah that's not what he's actually doing what Mm -hmm. is he doing and then I'd look at stuff and go, wow, he's playing that A chord and he's using the open A to drone on that. Yes. So, yeah. w- so wherever, whenever I learn one of their songs now, I, I take that on board straight away. It's like, all right, how can I incorporate a, a D, open D or an open A? Because Lemmy used to do it all the time.
1: Yeah, he played like a guitarist, didn't
0: he? Yeah, oh, very much so. And yeah. all, so many open notes where he could just to make it bigger.
1: Yeah, So filled it so out. Yeah. So
0: was, that was really good for me because it was like, wow, I've really got to um, kind of adopt the way he played because, you know, I play a lot of chords and, and just single notes in laceration mantra, but he was just different again.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah. Um, which was, yeah, really fascinating to do, you know, and, um, yeah, really took it on board, you know. It's been great.
1: How challenging is it for you to sing and play at the same time?
0: Well, <laughs> that's, that that kind of depends on uh, yeah. if it's me doing my own stuff. It's it's yeah, pretty not not a problem really. I've developed it over the years. But <laughs> Scott's a classic because he'll go, oh yeah, I got this new song, and uh, yeah, he'll there's one on the new album where when he showed me the riffs, I was just like. <laughs> Uh, Please don't tell me you want me to sing over that And he's like, oh yeah Oh my god, yeah (laughs) So, you know, that's going to be the I haven't tracked that one yet Um, But I've got a few Options uh, with what I want to do He wants me, I think, to Follow what he's doing so I'll, give, I'll try to give him that, but I'll also give him a few different options because, you know, as a bass player, that's where it, it becomes real fun because we don't have to do what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to give him a few different options when I track it and then he can decide because it's his song, I know this is what I really like or what I want. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I get you. But, look, the other thing, too, is, look, in my, I've only ever played a Rickenbacker in music stores back when they were a thing. And, oh, yeah. And I found them really hard to play, to be honest with you, and I play Music Man basses these days. and uh, Oh,
0: but how good are Music Man's? Like, the sound.
1: They're just there. They're just the oh, – in terms of basses you can buy off the shelf that aren't custom or yeah. bespoke, I don't know where yeah. they can get better.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like, their pickups, like, even their – what's their – um uh, Hi, Their – where um, – Squire range Is an OL Oh yeah Something
1: The um, Sterling by Music Man Range Yeah there you go Yeah yeah,
0: yeah They're still great mm. Like their sound Is awesome But um, Like There's a I've got a couple now uh, Ricks But There's The necks are slightly Different on them And there's mm. one I prefer The blonde one Which I would have been Playing at that show Yes That you saw I much prefer that neck I've got a black one as well But I it's the neck—it's a '74, the other one, and it's the neck is real skinny, like almost like a. It feels like a toothpick when I. Play <laughs> it. I find it harder to play.
1: Yeah, yeah, they just and and they're they've got a different resonance about them too, haven't they, Rick's? They, oh uh, yeah, oh, they, they do. They feel a lot looser.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good word for it, actually. Yeah.
1: yeah. So do you find I that? Aspect, is that does that aspect of it occasionally throw up some challenges?
0: Uh, When you're trying it, yeah, because I'm always looking at how I can reproduce as close to Lemmy's sound as I can. Um, And sometimes that does throw up a challenge, definitely. Um, But I just try to work with it as best I can uh, to achieve what I want to achieve Hmm. with his sound. Um, I've got a a magical piece of... uh, uh, hardware in my live kit, which enables me to do that, um, oh, yeah. get as close to as his sound as I can. Because um, uh, yeah, trying to achieve that through Marshall amps like he used is very hard because he had a lot of his stuff hot wired specifically oh, yeah, to listen. achieve that tone. So, yeah. um, but I think people who've seen uh, us live uh, have done nothing but you said giving me nothing but praise for the tone I've got, so I'm gonna run with that.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Do you sometimes I mean the the, the roles that are similar, but the approach is very different. I'm talking about your role in Laceration Mantra and, and then motorized. So Yeah
0: yeah.
1: Do, do you have a preference for one over the other or is it just whatever the season is? Oh just completely different really.
0: Like um, I embrace both, but they're they're really different in what they are, you know. Um, probably my right hand would agree with what you're saying because mm. it's very busy, and Lemmy was very busy with his right hand. Mm. But um, everything else, um, quite different. Yeah.
1: yeah. How did you find the reaction at that Metal Gods show? That one at Mansfield Tab with uh, Ripper Owens? Yeah.
0: Mate, uh, did
1: you were you
0: there for that? I was, yeah. Uh, so, how did you perceive
1: it? Oh, I thought it was packed from the get go. That's what I noticed. Which I, I think the sort of show that it was, and it was it was a real occasion. I think it sort of brings people out that don't normally go to shows, or maybe you put their their gig shoes, so you get them out from a time on or something like that. But I thought you guys just, I thought you guys nailed it, and I thought the rest yeah, of the gig yeah, was fantastic. Yeah,
0: I. I thought we did an excellent job and the feedback that I had that night was nothing but positive. Like I've got a really good mate who plays you'd love to meet him because seriously, hmm. second to none, I rate this guy. He can play anything. He can play primers. he can play Victor Wooten staff. He he can he's anything you serve up on base, he can play it, right? Yeah. And he was there with a couple of mates who he said every time he's ever been to a gig with them, all they do is try and point out, pick it the bits. Hmm. And I know the guys he's talking about. Yeah. And uh, he said to me, they just turned to each other and went, wow, that was pretty good. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so I think on that, you know, that was one of those gigs, one of those rare shows, mate, which you know yourself, where each of you looks at each other and goes, that was pretty good.
1: Yeah. You it, know? it was, and, was Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I thought you guys knocked it out of the park. It was was hard for me to separate the before. I've only seen you twice, so the performance you did at the back room because. I love small shows. I know it's not that great from the, you know, the ticket gate-taking perspective, but, you know, there were, there was a handful of us in there that night, mate, but fucking hell, it was a hell of a show to watch, that one at the back room as well. But that's the point, though. Serious musicians like, like you and Scotty and, sorry, your drummer, is
0: uh, Oh, uh, the uh, Ant Dog.
1: Ant Dog, there you go, the <laughs> Ant Dog. I was going to say Anthony, there you go. I mean, serious musicians know how to turn it on no matter how many people are in the audience.
0: Yeah, mate, that's, it doesn't matter to us. Like, we love doing it, so it doesn't matter if there's five people or 500 you know, there was a show we did years ago in Geelong with Laceration Mantra. We'd never been down there with him before. And um, a bloke came out because he was mates with Destructor and I'm still mates with him. This is 15 years ago. And he just said to us after we played down there, mate, that was like you were playing an arena show. Like, it was like there was 15,000 people there. Like, you brought it. And it's like, well, yeah. we love doing what we do and it doesn't matter who's out there. I mean, a gig is about who's out there, but for us, we just bring whatever we've got, hmm. you know. Oh, yeah. um, so I'm pleased that you uh, felt we brought it on both shows because, um, yeah, we just love doing it and do what we do. And I think the secret to the one at the Mansfield doing what we did was so Ripper Owens at, Night was had a backing band, right? Mm -hmm. And they were all the guys who were in the ACDC tribute that played second,
1: correct? Yep,
0: yeah. So, when those guys were totally pro, so when they finished their sound check, which took them like 45 minutes to an hour, Mm. there was tons of time. Like, they said to us, Ah, the stage is yours, boys, just take as long as you need. Mm which the guy that was doing Front of House that day was unbelievable. We'd worked with him before at at another show at the Mansfield at Loudfest and nothing was too much trouble for him. He was like, how many wedges do you want round here for vocal? And I said, well, how many can I have? I'll have four. Wow. And it was no problem. He moved everything. Um, So we just had plenty of time. Each of us, you know, that sweet spot you get Mm -hmm. when you can hear just what you need. You know, each of us had that. So when we went out there, it was just like brilliant. It was like we were a headliner.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, what's that, what's and, that
1: guy's name actually, that front of house guy's, can you remember?
0: Oh, um, Brett Noack. his name is. Okay. He works for, um, oh, geez. Um, I'll send it to you after I'll find it. Mm -hmm. Um, And the funny thing was, that night too, the guy that was behind the lighting desk, I've been around this game a long time, like since, you know, when Misery began, right? Mm -hmm. Now, back in those days in the band, I was playing in rock bands back then, and it was very rare to get a lighting guy that when you finished a song, everything went dark. Yeah. Totally pro, right? Now, this guy on that night was like that. And I, as soon as we finished the first song, everything went dark, and I was like, okay, I haven't had a lighting guy that's done this for a long, long time. Turns out after the fact, I find out this guy had done Motorhead live three times when they toured Australia. Yeah, cool. So uh, he knew it backwards. He'd worked on the road with the Divinals and the Angels back in the day, Old dude, but totally knows his craft. And you knew it straight away from our side of things, you know, as a performer.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, just magic,
1: oh, okay. you know. Yeah. So
0: good.
1: Well, there's a bit of a juxtaposition there too, because Laceration Mantra is an extreme metal band, okay? So yeah. Motorhead, playing that stuff, you're going to get a different crowd. You supported yeah. uh, Exhumed last year as well. So, yeah. yeah. So in what way... Like, obviously, they're different gigs, but your approach and the way in which you look at the stagecraft element of it, how in what way is it really different when you're doing, say, a support to Exhumed with laceration mantra compared to motorised?
0: Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what people listening to this will think, but from a front man's perspective, I've learned over the years with extreme metal, don't be scared to rip into the crowd. <laughs> if you have to abuse them and get them up the front, you uh, and do what's necessary, then just do it.
2: Hmm.
0: So from that perspective where it's my original music and uh, and a totally different genre, that's how I approach it with extreme metal, whereas in when I'm doing motorhead stuff, it's completely different because I'm in total awe and respect of the artist who performed that uh, and I treat their audience who wants to see them uh,
2: a completely different way. Mm. Uh,
0: yeah. I- I'm very um, uh, re- uh, respectful and thankful to uh, them for allowing us to bring Motorhead back to them mm. in a live venue. Yeah, get you. Not to say that I don't respect People who come to see Laceration Mantra, oh my God, without them, what is it? You know, yeah. like I said, a live show is nothing if the punners aren't there. But I like to rip into them and, and you know, <laughs> fire them up yeah. with what's to come.
1: Especially you know, the from Extreme crowd. metal. I mean, the, the exhumed crowd are pretty, they probably, I think half of the guys probably went in there plastered, did they, <laughs> to watch the show. So you can really sort of rip into them in that, in that regard.
0: Oh, look, I was um, – I had quite a few people say to me that night at Exhumed, I oh, it wouldn't have mattered whether Exhumed were here tonight. We came to see Laceration, Mantra, Pustilence and Cryptovore.
1: Shit. Okay.
0: Which it was a really good lineup. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Exhumed bring, bring things to another level. Again, they're seasoned performers. They've been around the scene a long, long time. It was just a great show in Brisbane, like – you know, I don't know what the lineups were, what the supports that your mate did in the other major cities. But I tell you what, for Brisbane, that well, was a that was a coup to get that lineup.
1: You're not wrong, especially when you see a band of your caliber there being the the first support. It's a hell of a thing. Whether the band like any it could be anybody, but in this case, Exum know that they've got some competition. They certainly do.
0: Yeah, well, we like to bring it. Like we um, we get on well with your mate. They tend to. Um, really do some good lineups you know and uh, we work with skeletal too we were on right before them and you know when when we perform with internationals we like to bring the intensity as much as we possibly can you know mm-hmm. um, because we know that these guys they play on the biggest stages in America and Europe and you know we want them to walk away from Australia going holy shit!" yeah like you know, we want them to think about, shit, <laughs> those Aussie bands, they really brought it to the table, you know. Um, because Um oh, There was a show we did oh, before COVID um, with Marduk and uh yeah. I think it was Marduk, Gorguts and Us, and when we watched Marduk side of stage, I, Scott and dog were there and I said, you know, we like to bring intensity, but... <laughs> when you saw Marduk perform from side of stage, like, that level, I said to the boys, that's where we need to be. Like, yeah. again, this is coming from a band that's played. All major European festivals are out of play. Like, that's the level where they are, you know, and it's great to work with bands like that because you really see it. It lets you know where you have to be.
1: Hmm. You're not, uh, uh, did you get to talk to Morgan very much at that after that show?
0: No no they were um, Marduk were very very uh, uh, they turned up just before they were due to go on. They were in the zone kind of thing.
1: okay bit like they retain, had their yeah. own
0: space and they went they just walked on, did the show and then they were gone again. Oh uh, yeah,
1: well I'm I'm going on the seventy thousand tons of metal cruise and Mardica on that, and I I right. really want to talk to Morgan on that. Um, oh yeah,
0: more power to you. You know that'd be fantastic to uh, to um get his ear. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great.
1: He just doesn't do a lot of interviews. A lot of them are you know like um, Sam Off and stuff. A lot of these guys are post interview. They don't. It's already all out there, of course. Not not as far as they're concerned, but you get the vibe that they're just there to perform and that's it. To your point?
0: Oh, yeah, that was totally how I felt that particular day, yeah. yeah. Um, and, like, like, if that's how they work and that's how they bring it, yeah, great, do it, you know. I don't have any, uh, what's the word I'd be talking about? I, I If that's what they need to do to bring what they did, yeah. then more power to them in my book, yeah. you know. Yeah, I agree, yeah. Yeah.
1: So, so what would you say has been your, the highlight of, Being a musician so far For you
0: Oh Jeez It's it's, For me it's like I love um, Hearing So when you're When you're an artist in Australia And you're playing death metal The money that you can generate from it And the live performance That you can Um get um it's a pretty tough world you know so from where i am and my perspective not so for instance if you were talking to scott and he was talking about misery and you're at the level where they're at Hmm. it's completely different with the money that you can generate and where you can be in the live performance arena compared to where laceration mantra are does that that makes sense?
1: Makes sense, yeah. I yeah,
0: yeah. So we're climbing up the ladder, but we haven't achieved that status yet. So from my point of view in that genre, in the live performance arena, it's hard to generate the the, um, the money and uh, where you'd like to be in the live performance arena at the moment. So for me right now, if they're talking just about me I love hearing the songs that I've written back in the recorded medium, and just sit there and go, "Fuck yeah!" Hmm. Like to to have that come back to me, um, and it's it's in it's brought to life where it was in my head when I first came up with it. Hmm. Um, working with musicians at the caliber of Scott and Anthony when I first come up with how I want that song to be and how I envisage it to be in my head. And then it comes back to me like that.
2: Yeah.
0: Or better. Um, For me right now, that's more of a highlight, I think, for me than live. I still love doing shows with Laceration Mantra, like whether it be supporting Exhumed or Marduk or um, doing Brute Fest like we did in Sydney last year. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Fantastic. But I wish I could generate, um, on the business side of things, more of the money I need to move the band forward. But I just I know I can't do that yet because I haven't done enough of the hard yards yet. If that makes sense in the death metal genre to get me to that level.
1: You're talking about more tour supports and maybe taking it abroad.
0: Ah, uh, oh, look, definitely taking it abroad would be good, but. I don't know if you've done much research on taking death metal abroad, but it's, it's a very hard road. Um, I'd, I'd like to do Europe before I'd like to do America because I think they appreciate extreme metal more in Europe than they do in America, but so much of it over there is... Um, Much harder to get a foothold in, and much people to much harder to get the right people to work with, who are going to give you what I need. So, for instance, when I was out here, when I'm out here, and I we worked with Incantation, Mm -hmm. when they went through bleed records, and I tour managed the Queensland leg of that tour, Mm I got to an insight into more of the business side of things when I was working with Incantation and Nervo Chaos because I was working with them at Crowbar, driving them around, picking them up, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, You got to see more of the insight into, all right, so the money generated from that show is a certain percentage is given to the bands as buyout money, and they're working with that money generated from that show to keep them on the road and the rest of that percentage and then the rest of the money is going to the promoter to go to the next show in Sydney or wherever yeah. it may be. Now when you're when you go to Europe for instance, I'd like to try and somehow work with people that understand that well, us as a band, we want buy out money to get alcohol, get food, get fuel in the van to pay for the backline we're using from show to show. Right? Mm-hmm. That's extremely hard to do in Europe and mm. from what I've from what I've uh, been able to glean so far I mean if you can put me in touch with anyone who can work with that great. I'm trying to get a foothold now but I'm finding... Bands tend to have to go over there on their first time and just basically flush ten grand or more down the toilet and pay some pay for a tour guy and pay for a vehicle and just go bang 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 and the shows will all be there, but there's no money coming back. Yeah.
1: You're right, actually. And then that's assuming that you're dealing with a, a reputable promoter which is um, exactly. Odds on that you will these days, but there's still those those pitfalls occasionally. It's certainly it's still very challenging in South America. I understand.
0: Yeah, well, I'm lucky there because I've got a foot in the door with Nervo Chaos, and he does a he's a massive promoter in South America. So I know with him, mm. if I contacted him now and said we want to do Latin America, can we jump on a tour with you guys or whatever? He'd love to do it. It's it's. So I got an in with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's funny um, you mention Nervo Chaos. When I was in Tokyo, they literally walked past me. I was only in Tokyo oh, right. in October, and the guys walked past me, and and uh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to be a punisher or anything like that because they were doing the touristy thing. I think, or walking, just walking around and taking the sightseeing in Shibuya, which is a a uh, prefecture in uh, Tokyo. You know, the bu- oh, you not know, the really busy one with the. Um, the zebra crossing that goes in about a million different directions.
0: Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Another one. laughs> I know
1: the one. I walked past them there and I thought, God, it's a small world, isn't it?
0: <laughs> oh, mate, if you'd have said hello to those boys and said, you know, that you do this and, oh, mm. they would have embraced you. Like, they live for metal. And I've never met a bunch of guys who are more road dogs than those guys are when it comes to metal. Oh, my God. Yeah. They're, they're unbelievable, you know. Believe they really the are.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what about, actually, we just mentioned Japan. Japan and and Southeast Asia, have there ever been opportunities for you to do that, especially even with uh, motorised?
0: Oh, look, I haven't really. um, Motorised, it's the tip of the iceberg with regards to trying to go offshore. I mean, there's, the stumbling block I have with motorised when it comes to going offshore is there's just so many motorhead tributes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, there was a, a bunch of girls called Motor Babe who are based in the States and so they are there a lot and they want to go offshore. But it's like there was a guy from Gladstone <laughs> that was commenting um, about, oh, you should come to Australia, blah, blah, blah. And I sent him a couple of links to us straight away mm-hmm. because he probably doesn't even know we exist.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's the challenge, isn't it, with socials? Yeah. Oh, no. It
0: really is. Like, yeah. and then, um, and, you know, they're... There's, you know, you've got motor headache in England and there's a bunch of them in Europe. Um, you know, I'll toot my own horn and say, well, European Motorhead Tributes struggle because they've all got the wrong accent. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the Americans, from what I've seen, pretty good. I think there's one out of New York that's pretty good. But aside from that, um, I'm going to wheel my own barrow and say I haven't seen one that I think gets close to where we are. Hmm. Um, yep. But you but England, I think, motorhead headache, he's got it pretty spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's a lot around which makes it hard to try and get a pro- – I think from my point of view, if I was a promoter, I'd be going, well, it's going to cost me a lot less if I just employed, you know, these guys up the road or someone from Europe.
1: Yeah. Yeah, um, unless you've got the, the very solid contacts there and there's an established pathway um, but it's but it's it's an interesting point, isn't it? insofar as so you can take an original band overseas, and you're almost guaranteed to lose ten grand before you start. Yeah, that's right. Or you can yeah. take a you can take a tribute show or a, a covers show or the 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 thing that you got going on with motorised overseas. And there's already an inbuilt audience. There's already people there. You know for oh, a fact people don't is. turn up. So as
0: Scott said this to me, I suppose we're lucky in one way that if we really wanted to. Do it, and we can find the right people. That's the key, mate. Yeah. Finding the right
1: people, we could do both. I, I was just going to say that, mate. There's no nothing to stop you. You know, going to uh, just using Tokyo again. You know, on the Thursday night you're doing motorized, and then you, you yeah. book a club show because there's plenty of clubs over there that will play me- play metal, as you know, in Tokyo, no doubt. Uh, yeah. With laceration mantra, mate, you're already there. There you go.
0: Yeah, look, I found it a little bit hard trying to get a foothold into work to finding promoters in Japan who'll do metal. Oh, like really? I did have I did have a content uh contact with the Akafusa Aka Death Fest. Okay. Before COVID that was considering putting us on, but the bill was full that year, but I haven't followed up on that.
1: All right, gotcha. Um, yep.
0: So whether he'd be willing to look at that, I don't know. But again, like you say, it's just finding the right people that are that are going to do the right thing by you and can understand where you're coming from and hopefully help you out from, can see where we, the way we want to do things and go, yeah, you know, that's doable. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I don't want to ask the world first time over there. I'd love to just cover costs and maybe make a bit of money to, you know, have a few drinks and whatever yeah, and keep yourself. us on the road yeah. but that's yeah. ideally what we'd like to do so if you've got anyone that you know of that we can talk about afterwards that might be able to help us out right
1: yeah I, I don't but I'll tell you why I've got such a good feeling about Japan after spending um, over I was there for 10 days with the family and whilst the kids and the wife and the mother-in-law and my, my family were off doing, um, you know, retail opportunities as they tend to do with kids, you know. And, um, oh, yeah. I yeah. I, got, I got to have a look at all the music shops. That was the beauty of it. And, and I was just talking to Matty Wilcock um, not too long ago about it, you know, from um, uh, Shotgun Mistress and the Werewolves and stuff. And, mate, oh, they've got, right. they've yeah. got entire – they've got shops over there where an entire wall is just – Gibson guitars, so over yeah, there, and the thing is, mate, over there they're five and six grand, whereas over here I can tell you they're like, I'm maybe not double, but they're certainly thirty or forty percent more. And the the they got a, got, it's a bit like remember what guitar shops used to be back in the day for us with Billy Hydes and stuff. Remember the one in the no, valley yeah. that used to be there? They're like ten times that size, and they're multi level. And mate, they've got as a bassist, I'll share this with you, like um, you know, Alembic, uh, status, um, yeah. uh. Uh, you know these relict, Well, not even relic. They road, road used Fender P and J bases and stuff. And I got to play yeah. all of this stuff. And you know, K- uh, Led's Claypool's bass. Uh, Carl Thompson was there too. And I was able to play wow. all of this sort of stuff. So I was able to do some of the Mark King stuff on the on the status bass. I just love status basses and Mark yeah, King's yeah. playing. And then a little kid comes in next to me and starts. Playing, playing such similar stuff like all of the slap and pop stuff and the Victor yeah, yeah. stuff as well. And my point in and around all of that, mate, is there's the market there that supports this sort of thing. Whereas, yeah. as you know, here, mate, I'm not saying it's it's going away. I think the fans like you and I are died in the war will never ever will never ever not do this. We'll always do this until the day we die. But the outlets and the opportunities aren't as great as what they are in a place like that. And that's my point there. So I think. You'll find one eventually and then mate you'll you'll find a, another place, another home for you to go to and
0: just, Oh look, display I would love chops. that. Like I've so many people have said to me, Oh, Japan is unbelievable. You've got to go there. Like and I really wanna because it's just I see stuff to do with Tokyo and it just <laughs> it blows my mind just how big mm. that place is. Like it's just like something out of what was it Logan's run or one of those? <laughs> Blade <laughs> Runner. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's I couldn't imagine being just dropped in that and going, "All right, here you are." It's like, such a
1: good place, honestly, Rob. You guys would love it over there. It's honestly the people are just so fucking good, and they're just nice, and it's so different to some of the shit we're dealing with here these days, you yeah, know, the, yeah. the ashes on the trains and all of the bullshit that we've got to put up with, mate. They would they would be mortified if their society turned into that where we're going.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a, I've got a fair few uh, people I know in the punk scene and they've been over there fairly regularly and they're the same, the Japanese. It's funny, I've worked this out about them. When they are into something it becomes their whole life. Hmm. Like the, the punk scene over there is just unbelievable. Like these people that were into it, they get together for these shows and it's just like it's another world and then they'll all jump on the train and go their separate ways after it. But it's like while they're there, it was like many years ago now, we got to do a show with um, – it was one a very early Laceration Mantra show, um, and we got to play with Coffins.
1: Mm-hmm. Nice, great.
0: I forget who was else was on that night. We opened it, and um, I can't remember if Coffins were the headliner or not. I'd have to look that up. But meeting those guys was just yeah, you really a real exposure to me uh, for their culture because there was only one of them who spoke any English, and. We
1: all found ourselves bowing because they were okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: and it was a real eye opener. And oh, again, when you saw them play live, <laughs> talk about bringing it, hmm. yeah, they yeah, were definitely. unbelievable.
1: Yeah, no, you're not wrong. A lot of what's the uh, there's Psy, there's a couple of bands over there too that are just all time, like Psy.
0: Um, oh I, yeah and um I love Gotsu Kotsu Totsu as well.
1: Okay, I'll check him out. But but you yeah, know the yeah. other thing oh. but sorry you go. You're up.
0: Oh, the bass player singer from <laughs> You'd love him mate. Talk he's got everything. He's got the chops.
1: <laughs> cool man.
0: Oh yeah, you got to check them out. Like, they're they're amazing.
1: It's kind yeah. of it's kind of the next big scene really, Japan, because uh, my, I've been showing my daughter this band called Hanabi, which are a bit like baby metal, but they're musicians, they're not just sort of dancing and shit, and with a yeah. metal band behind them, these these girls can, can fucking play, I assure you I saw them, yeah. at, I hate Brightside, right but I'll bugger it, I'll go into Bright. So it's just so cramped and you're like a sardine in there
0: and Oh yeah, I know
1: <laughs> Barely see, mate, you know, up the back and, and it was just, it's just such a shit venue for what it is, mate, to be honest, but anyway I digress, uh, I saw this band, Hannah to be in there because I wanted to just check out the vibe and man, they got it going on. And these girls must be like twenty-one or twenty-two or something, man. But yeah. it's, it can it veers from that Harajuku little girl thing. I don't know how else to describe it to full-on extreme metal. Yeah, right. And they bring it, and they bring it, and they do it. So they're accomplished and they're into it. And it's I mean, there's, they're they're too young to be playing for decades, that's for sure. But mate, they've certainly studied their craft and they're dedicated to it.
0: Yeah, that's the thing with them, the the Japanese. They, they once they immerse themselves in something, hmm. it's yeah, they're just unbelievable. Yeah. So there was another one we played with. Um, geez, I'm going back now. This is so we've been going like fifteen years now. Yeah. So I'm going back to like 10, 10 years ago. So another one we played with. Oh, geez, the name escapes me at the moment. Um, but they. The look of them, they looked like they were all, all Cenobites from Hellraiser. <laughs> like that they had great. an all floor length things they were wearing and just, again, uh, amazing death metal and so immersed into it. Um, just can't remember the name of them at the moment. But they were, they were so good to work with, too. Yeah. Like um, amazing musicians, and, yeah. It just, um, I'd love, I'd love to go back over there and work with Coffins or them in yeah. Japan, in the, on their home turf. How yeah. good
1: would that be? Oh. Man, man, it'd yeah. be epic. It'd be, yeah. Well, that's yeah. that's what that's the hope for you guys. But but make you know, we talk about playing for decades, as, as you certainly have been. Who, who inspired you initially?
0: Oh gee, um, well you know. Uh, I've been a Motorhead fan for so long. But when I was way younger, I was into rock Um, back in the early 90s. I was playing in rock bands and um, being. we were managed by um, the guy that used to – he used to uh, be in the Hitman and he used to manage Screaming Tribesmen.
1: Nice.
0: Yeah, Yeah, great band. um, So I was into that and then I kind of morphed. Like metal was always kind of in the background, but it was – when I I got into goth for a while and I was a full on punk for a while years ago, had short orange hair and <laughs> <laughs> music I probably like you, mate. Like music for me, my parents could never understand me.
1: Yes, yeah, I'm yeah.
0: because music just became uh, the dominant force mm. for me. Um, and geez, who would Who would it be with metal that really inspired me, that got me into it? I think the thing that really tweaked me back in the day was Rain in Blood, like when I first heard that, and it was around that time probably there was like, yeah, that's when I first heard Deicide, I think. Yes.
1: Um, Well, Legion...
0: yeah, oh yeah, a Legion for me. Look, if we're going to talk about albums for me that sum up death metal and what it is to me as a genre, Legion is it for me. I do love the first album, but there's something about that second one that it just, there's just an ominous feeling to the second one that the first one kind of doesn't have. No, I think I I think it's a production for me with the second one. It's just I talk to Scott about it when we're talking about production. It's like okay, it's good to have your sounds of instrument of the instruments how you want them, but then you've kind of got I call it an orb that kind of surrounds the production, Mm -hmm. and you've got to try and I notice. A lot of stuff that comes out of Nuclear Blast now tends to me for me to be like, if you look at New Suffocation, mm-hmm. the sounds themselves still tend, they're great sounds, don't get me wrong, but the album tends to be so clean and pristine that for me it's doing death metal a disservice, if that makes sense.
1: Okay, there you go, yep.
0: Um, so when you go back to looking at stuff that's, once upon the cross and legion, there's a feeling, an overall feeling in that production that's just ominous and just isn't quite right. That for me, death metal should encompass. You know, like I don't like the terms death metal used. Like, for instance, melodic death metal. Like to me, that's that's a that's a conundrum. That's like a paradox to me. Mm-hmm like how it can't be melodic death metal was created and they and possessed has said this that we wanted to create the most brutal genre of music the most unsettling genre of music that has ever been created and that's what to me the essence of death metal should be like it's gotta be that. It can't that's what Laceration Mantra bases its credo on. It's gotta be extreme. It's gotta be out there. It's gotta punch you in the fucking face when you hear it. Mm-hmm. And not oh, that's that's a nice um whatever run he did in that scale and how how nice and pristine and clean that is. That's not death metal. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, anyway. It's death metal's gotta be Steering and ominous and scary and just in your face. And if it, it doesn't feel like it's just need you in the balls, then for me it's not real death metal.
1: So you, you like that, that Morrisound sound?
0: Yeah, definitely. That? Like yeah. when you look back on an album like um, Alters of Madness now, man, when you think that that was recorded on a real Yeah. And when you think of those drums that he was doing then, and that album is timeless. Like, it just stands up to this day. Like, man, when you think when that was done, when those albums were done, and even of an album like Effigy from Suffo, like, yeah. I think for me, like, Despise the Sun, I think for me, for suffocation is the pinnacle. Like, yeah. You know, like, man, and I just find I've really noticed and, you know, I'm probably showing my age here and, and that we've been around a long time, but I'm really starting, and I, not until very recently, maybe over the last 18 months, I've really started to notice a divide uh, between what's coming out now with younger bands and what's come before. Does that make sense? I
1: I think so. Are you talking about the genre splicing element where metalcore and deathcore have become more the norm in death metal, like there's elements of that? Yeah,
0: kind of. And I don't – look, I'm not – Look, it's not that I don't – I'll listen to everything, right? Being a musician, I like to embrace as much music as I possibly can. And try and see elements of it in it that I find good. Like I'll even listen to, I'll even listen to country. I'll listen to hip hop. I'll listen to everything and try and find, is there something in there that I can, Hmm. that I like, that I can find that I think, yeah, okay, I get that. I know where they're coming from, you know. But I'm noticing now that. For a, an aficionado that's come from where we've come from with death metal and and the brutality that has come before, I'm finding that now they're just not. It's just I just don't think that that can be that can that what has come before can ever be um, surpassed when mm. it comes to brutality and death metal as a genre. Does
1: that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I, I understand. I understand your point completely. Actually, yeah, I've noticed the shift too. And there's the, uh, I, I broadly speaking, we can blame Metallica for it potentially, given what they did on that that album from two thousand and eight, whatever that was called. Sorry, I'm not a not not invested in Metallica these days. I so can't remember the names, <laughs> but the, the... <laughs>
0: I'll tell you what on that subject. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you've heard it, but okay, so seventy two seasons came out, right? Someone <laughs> – I don't know who it was, but you'd be able to find it.
2: Yeah.
0: And I don't know, don't know how he did it, but hats off to him for doing it. He took the songs from that album and reproduced them with a the production from Killamore.
1: Oh, my God, yeah. Man,
0: yeah. you've got to find it and look for it because they're so much better.
1: I know. I just, I, I did look there, more power to them. They can do whatever the hell they want. And I made the point the other night, I, I, and yeah. I think it's a valid one, which is that if you take all of heavy metal, so everything, maybe remove Iron Maiden and Slipknot, maybe. But if you put Metallica yeah. on one side of the scale and all of other heavy metal, including Extreme Metal, on the other side, it balances. Yeah. They're just that big these days, Metallica, and they're an industry, you know, but it's but it's. Oh, it's, they are. But it's, yeah. I, I saw them at, at the uh, entertainment centre there in, um, what, 2010, and, yeah. like, fuck it, Lars just isn't up to it anymore. He hasn't been for, for a while now, and it's not just my opinion. Like, you watch the videos, and the whole band slows down, and you see James looking back at him, and he, I don't know, where, were you at that gig at Boondall that night? No, no, I, I, be,
0: I'll be brutally honest, I've never seen him live.
1: Well, you're not missing much, to be frank And I know I'll get hate mail for it, but I don't care anymore There's too many fanboys out there that just Fucking Metallica are the fucking best You know, like the Dave Mustaine fanboys And stuff, and it's it's just Odd, because really those bands haven't Made essential music For for decades now, really.
0: I'll tell you who I was surprised at, I really enjoyed Megadeth's new one
1: Oh, I haven't vibed on like, their stuff in a long time, brother, to be honest. Okay, with well, look,
0: this is coming from me. Like, I was – look, if we're going to divide the two camps and say Megadeth or Metallica back in a day, I always tended to go to the Metallica camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried with Megadeth numerous times, but it really didn't do it for me. Um, but this new one, people had said to me, no, you need to give it a go. And I was actually pleasantly surprised.
1: Yeah, I, I I was the opposite. I just absolutely adored okay. Megadeth through through. Uh, you know, I got into them. You know, because I'm 45, so uh, not yeah. Rust. The one after Rust in Peace Symphony, um, God, a mental blank. So a Countdown to Extinction. That was the that was yeah, the yeah. album, and then you know, you the Naja and stuff. And then you go back and you get the other stuff, and so far so good. So what was the one that really stuck with me? And I I, I had about four or five albums of theirs that I just loved back in the back yeah. in the 90s. And for Metallica, there was only two. There was yeah, I like everybody mainly I. Heard about them through the Black Album '91, but then I was in a boarding house, right? So the other blokes had um, Master of Puppets and Ride the Lightning. Oh, yeah. and I went and found them, and I was like, "Fuck, this is heaps better," you know. But it's
0: oh yeah, it's really Kill 'em All and Master for me are the two that yeah uh, I go to. Well, yeah. that,
1: that sound that's the that sound on on Kill 'em All can't be beat from the perspective that you can hear everything, the bass oh, yeah. playing, and yeah. Lars was trying to keep up. The truth the truth about it was Lars was trying to keep up with Cliff. So yeah. <laughs> um cliff's a very, very tight, very melodic bassist, but he's he's also oh,
0: he's oh yeah. He's unbelievable. Yeah.
1: yeah. He's he can be loose too though. I've heard the, the stems and some of it you go, Wow, okay. So he's vibing, he's got his own thing going on. He he wasn't afraid to sort of I'm not gonna call them mistakes, but you know, he wasn't afraid to go outside of the template either.
0: Yeah, I think that was the thing with him though. He he was open to all to everything. Yeah. Like, yeah. look how much they suffered harmonically
1: without him in the mix. Like, Yeah. Well, they just don't – on, on a personal level, they, ne- they never – they still haven't gotten over having having lost him, I don't think, really. Oh, because, I agree.
0: 100%. Because
1: yeah. Rob, Rob is one of the finest musicians. Rob is the best musician in that band, in my view, Rob Ferulio. Oh,
0: he's he's an amazing player.
1: Yeah. Oh, just yeah, a, yeah. And, and apparently – and what I hear from people who've done business with him, met him and stuff like – just random things like people bumping into him. Who was I talking to? Um, the the bassist singer from Enslaved. I can't remember yeah. his name now. Good guy, top fella. But he was doing some crewing at one of the festivals that they weren't playing at, and he was doing some moving some pallets with a forklift backstage somewhere or something. And Rob yeah. just came up to them and asked them where the where the walking trails were in the mountains that were behind, because they were somewhere in Norway or Sweden or what have you. And yeah, um, yeah it was just a regular bloke just asking for some for some directions and a bit of help, you know, and. To be honest, man, I don't think I could imagine Lars doing that.
0: Yeah, he's a (laughs) – I don't know how to describe Lars. Uh, Like, when you look back in the day, you have to say that he was setting the bar. Like, some of the stuff that he did uh, on Master of Puppets, that was all new and next level. But then when you compare a guy like uh, like him – to Steve Asheim from Deerside. Yeah, yeah. And they're both the same age and you work and you look at where, how they've progressed as musicians <laughs> during that time. Yeah. Well, you know, enough said.
1: Well, Steve Steve's a, Steve also writes that band's music too. Um,
0: yeah, I know. Steve's a writer, um, yeah. But, like, Steve just embraced any new techniques and, like, I have to learn that. Yeah, And you know, you could put Steve behind the kid in Slipknot and he'd be able to do it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and but, same with Gene, Gene Hoglund too. Gene, Gene's, yeah. I don't know whether Gene's a writer, but Gene is a, I love his drumming.
0: Oh, it's just, man, he's a really nice bloke too. Like when we played with uh, Dark Angel, yeah. he was a he is a great dude. Really nice guy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's rare to meet a wanker in extreme metal these days. theres There's been a, f- a couple, not many to be honest, but yeah. it's uh, it's it's rare to meet them, especially these season guys, these guys that are over 45, past 50. Yeah, yeah. Mate, they're just yeah. so great. They're, from my perspective is just having these conversations. It's like talking to you, man. It's like yeah, just, yeah. just a normal conversation with some of these guys and then it's even a bit straight, not stranger, but it's interesting afterwards you end up exchanging, you know, emails and text messages and well, you know, direct yeah, messages yeah. and well, stuff John, afterwards. Yeah. John
0: McGinty from Incantation was like that. He was a great guy, really, really good. I got to talk to him a lot and, um, yeah, really, really nice fellow. They all were. Hmm. Um, But, uh, yeah, he was just a really down-to-earth guy and, yeah,
1: yeah, actually, I um, met I met John down at the Melbourne show because you know this recent run they didn't play Brisbane, so uh, yeah. I flew yeah, down yeah. to Melbourne with my wife and we made a weekend of it. But I just nice. he was standing next to the merch booth and I had a good chat to him down there and he was. Yeah. Maybe, I'd say, oh look, I've I've come down from up here and he, I, I could tell he was he was like, man, that's fucking cool, man. Thank you for coming down. I really appreciate it. This sort yeah, of thing it yeah. wasn't wasn't yeah. disingenuous at all. You know. Oh
0: yeah, he's very much like that. Yeah. He. um He's all about the fans and the people that, you know, like the band. And you've got to be like that (laughs) because what's the point of having your head up your ass? Like, people, if people don't buy your music and buy tickets to your shows, well, where are you?
1: Yeah. In my, look, in my experience, Rob, that has come from the local scene, that aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. Haven't had a lot of it, but occasionally, even with the show, there was a period there. um, Yeah. Where I wouldn't, it's I, like I was really being selective about because I would get a, a ton of emails and messages, not a ton, but you know, have plenty from from local people wanting to come on the show, and then um, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd I'd have the conversation or whatever, and it wasn't really, it wasn't like this man, it wasn't an interface, you know, it was they they okay. weren't, they, I'll, I'll say now, I mean, they're in their twenties too, so and early thirties, so they hadn't lived enough life yet and understood that you know we're all human and. We're all doing yeah, our yeah. thing and we're just having a chat here. It's not, I'm not really a means of your promotional exercise or what have you. Like you're not going to, you're going to reach a couple hundred people through me. But apart from that, you know, it'll, that's it. You know, it's, it's not going to boost your profile a hell of a lot. And I think they get the idea after that and they don't even share yeah, that yeah. To conversation or whatever afterwards. And I think that's, that's fine by me, but, but it's just, I just noticed that, you know, I'm more likely to, you know, Eric, Eric Rutan, for example, has done the introduction on my show. Yeah, right You know, I mean And I've had You know, a few conversations With him too And and just find these guys That have Proven themselves Again and again and again They're just the nicest fellas
0: Oh, they are I remember um, It wasn't long after Dimeback uh, Got killed And Eric Hmm. knew him Pretty well And I um, Bought a shirt To commemorate him Around that time And I just happened to have it on And i gone to see Hate Eternal's first show yeah when they played at Her Majesty's and I wasn't going to talk to him because I was a bit in awe back then because that's a long time ago you know mm. and he was rolling up his leads after the show and I was thinking wow this guy's like played Wacken with Morbid Angels like do I want to say hello <laughs> you know <laughs> anyway I got up the courage and I went and said hello to him in the ball. he was so good he was so down to earth and he was and he saw the shirt and he was like, oh, man, like, you know, wow. He was kind of a bit taken aback, yeah. you know, just by the shirt. And it was like, you know, when you think about that and what happened there and it's just, yeah, and you can go back to that time when I think a lot of um, the younger ones just, I mean, I know I love their metal and all that and but there's just been so much that guys like you and I have been through over the time. Hmm in the various heavy genres where so much has happened.
1: Yeah, Um, exactly. Yeah. I know just, just quickly about Eric too. I had that moment with him too, where I was talking, we we had a talk for a couple of hours and I think at one point I said, but but he was talking about, he was being very humble. I said, but, but, Eric, you're in fucking Morbid Angel, for God's sakes. Yeah. Like, like, you're the man. (laughs) Like, you're the guy. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's, uh, yeah, you have these moments with these guys, but, of course, they don't walk around thinking, you know, I'm in Morbid Angel, so, you know. No, no. Well, if
0: they're decent (laughs) blokes, they don't. Like you say, they're just doing their thing and they just happen to pick up a guitar when they were, like, 10 or whatever it was and everything's just gone on from there, you know. Like, I've said to a few people when, and it's funny, like, because I never think of myself at all in that type of a role, you know, that that I could be like that to some people.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: And people have – I know there's been a couple and um, they um, have gone to buy tickets off me and I've said, oh, yeah, meet me at such and such, you know, whatever. And um, I've had a conversation with them like I'm having with you, you know, mm. and um, – They'll say at the end of the conversation, oh, man, I can't believe I was so nervous that I was coming to meet you and I was, wasn't was sure what I was going to say to you and stuff. And I said, <laughs> mate, really? Like, I said to him, just remember this. If you're ever going to meet anyone and you start to get anxiety or feelings like that about it, just remember they take a shit just like you do. Indeed. The only difference is they happen to pick up the bass or learn the drums or the guitar back in the day And they've just gone on with that and you didn't go down that road. That's the only difference. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I'll tell you you this. I'll tell people listening this for nothing. The only people, like, in terms of a – cohort of people that i've ever thought i'd never want to deal with you fuckheads ever again are real oh, estate right. agents because i'm a journalist right so i had to interview oh, some right. i went there there was a week there where i had to interview some some real estate agents and yeah. the, the really interesting thing is and this is goes to exactly the point that we were talking about a moment ago oh, yeah. so i'd speak to these you know these people that had made you know they thought they were important anyway and they're young and fuck they gave me some attitude you know because yeah. I'd, I'd ask a question go, well, you know, I'm not going to answer that because I haven't thought about the question. And I'm like, what the hell is this? You know, and they were they, yeah, just being rude, mate. And then one of my last conversations was with, with a guy called Michael Palin, And right. he's Australia's most, in terms of net sales, he's, he's sold... He sells something like a billion dollars worth of property each quarter. Something ridiculous, right. like like astronomical sums of money, because of the echelon he's dealing with. He's selling property in Barangaroo down there in Sydney at Circular Quay there, and yeah, and right. um, you know the you know he's selling at that level to the agent and billionaires and stuff. And mate, he was the nicest fucking guy out of a lot of them. This guy.
0: Well, that maybe that's why he's selling a billion dollars worth. Of
1: quarter. <laughs> <laughs> mate, he had he he was genuinely interested in the conversations yeah. that I was having with these the, all these extreme metal luminaries and I know that oh, because really? he, because he asked me to text him the the podcast link for Spotify I did and then he responded to me he goes yeah I enjoyed so I enjoyed that or he goes yeah it sounds really good man thanks very much for that but it was like a period of time afterwards it wasn't like straight away like thanks fuck uh, okay. off you know yeah. and, and I was like man that's 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 how you do it. That's how yeah. it is, man. You just be a regular person no matter who you are and don't yeah. carry yourself with any airs of you know, un- of importance because there's no point.
0: No, absolutely no point. All you're doing is putting a wall up between you and the people that you're trying to break.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that was a really interesting interaction. That one there, I think it was after a pretty long day dealing with some of these little wankers, and then speaking to him. And I thought he was just going to—I mean, you don't have—I didn't have any preconceptions, but it wouldn't have surprised me if he was like, "Who are you, Vermin? What do you want to speak to me for?" But completely the opposite, you know.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's great, and it just—it you know—just goes to show you that um, people are people, and you know, some a lot of them are really good, but there's always going to be some that just aren't.
1: You know. yeah i know mate yeah i know, you so know. i've
0: been really looking for and you said do you want to have a chat i'm like oh sweet this will <laughs> be fun
1: <laughs> mate it's it's look it's you know i've, I've long admired the, the work that you've been in um and uh you know what you guys i think are creating together uh in laceration mantra as well i mean look to give you an idea man like i'm i'm talking i i i, I was talking to tony you know tony champ of course and um oh yeah 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 i'll i'll I was talking to him about getting some tattoos from me because I actually want to get tattooed again because mine are from the late bloody 90s, right? So I don't want to do cover-ups or anything like that. But I thought it's probably about time. I'm, I haven't drunk in a long time. And I always said to myself, if I stop drinking, then I'm going to start doing some of this sort of stuff. So that yeah, was sort like right. of the reward to myself sort of thing. And, yep. and um, so I'm going to be – I'll, I'll be hitting up Tony sometime in the near future and I'll be asking him that. But a lot of that is because of the work that I've seen. My introduction, to him came through you guys and through Misery.
0: Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. You know, so, yeah. you know, that's the thing, mate. It's, it's, uh, it's a bit of an ecosystem, isn't it? And and you're, you're a part oh, of that in the oh, scene. Oh, very much so. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: You know, it's... Um, yeah. When you're about the most... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not pissing in your pocket, but between you guys and Misery, you're about the most prominent extreme metal bands in, in Brisbane outside of Portal, surely. Uh, oh, well...
0: Longevity-wise, you probably have to say so. Yeah, I mean, I suppose after. But that's what I find with death metal. You've got to. There's. I mean, there is a lot of exposure for it nowadays, but it's still a lot of networking, a lot of gigging, a lot of overtime work. It's around, you know. Mm. Um, which was what I was saying before. I think you've got to be in the genre twenty years plus before you really get noticed.
1: So true. Yeah.
0: Um, and so. Yeah, I think more than anything it would be through that, uh, just word of mouth, getting around, you guys need to check these blokes out, whatever, which has got misery to where they've got to over time. Plus, you know, they've got such extensive uh, discography over that period too, Mm. which we don't have that level of uh, releases yet. So every release you do is also another step up the chain, you know. So probably... If you're going to talk talk longevity and word of mouth, yeah, and Portal would get, yeah, they're definitely up there because they made such an impact, you know. took me a long time to get Portal. I didn't get them uh, in the beginning at all. Um, And until someone said to me, no, 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 don't treat them as a death metal band. When you listen to them live or put an album on, treat them like they're a soundscape to a horror movie.
1: I'd agree with that, you know. And I, yeah. and, and, and
0: that's that really is what made me go, oh. Yeah. When I, when I looked at it from that perspective, it was like, okay, now I get it, you know, like, yeah.
1: Are you mates with the fellas?
0: I'm really good mates for Shane. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't the other guys? Uh, the drummer I have—I don't think I've had any interaction with him at all. But the other guys, uh, here and there, yeah. The bass player, yeah. It, it, there was a—we've had a few conversations over the years, and uh, the two guitar players, yeah. Uh, one of them's in Vomitor as well now, isn't he?
1: Oh, I didn't know that. There you go. Okay. Yep, that's cool. I
0: think. There's there's two of them, I think. One of them plays in Vomitor and he's also in a new thing called Magus Terror with uh, the singer from Postilence. So I think that's one of the guitarists from Portal is in that. And the other guy from Portal, I think he was in The Dead for a while on bass. Yeah. I don't know what's happened. I think they've kind of vanished into the ether now. I don't think they're going anymore. Oh, right, but, okay. Um, yeah, but, yeah, I talk to Shane all the time. We're good
1: mates. Oh, that's yeah. good stuff, mate. Yeah, Oh, look, it'd be, I mean, obviously, you know, you start thinking of, there there are a lot of really good underground bands in Brisbane at the moment. you got a guy like Ian Redman that can do sound for a lot of this stuff as well. So, I mean, yeah, there's, yeah. there's oh. just, yeah, you know, Ian, obviously, you know. There's... Oh,
0: look, bit of a bit of a quick story about Ian. So <laughs> first show we did with Motorised, um, of oh, a second show, actually, we did a uh, under the radar one at the back room. One night went on last, just to get my get myself in that vibe live. But anyway, we did this show. It was a um, it was Sue Entertainment. It was called Mansfields of Rock. It was all tribute acts. Mm-hmm. We're in a pre-production meeting, and they were talking about all right. We've got Kevin Hennings is going to do front of house. Uh, anyone else uh, got their own guy coming in, and um, it was like six reps from the bands there and I've stuck my hand up and they're like, the honchos from Jabber are like, oh, yeah, so who's doing front of the house for you? And I said, oh, Ian Redman. And they're like, you're fucking joking. Said, no. And they're like, oh, my fucking God, we haven't heard from him in so long. He used to do shows with us, like, years ago, did a show down in, um, where was it, um, fucking... That's the
1: Snowfields. Threadboat.
0: Okay. Like. Yeah. So Ian's got a rep with them. They all know him. And they're like, fuck yeah, it'll be so good to see Ian again, you know. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he turned up on the day and touched base with everybody. It was really good, you know.
1: Yeah, that's and, how um, – I'm, I'm part of that same scene because I play covers right, so I know Nathan really well. Um, from oh, Jabba. right, eh? Yeah, Yeah, I'm good, awesome. good mates with no, Nathan, yeah, so – it's um yeah that's I, I was in a band called Cross Trigger as well and that's basically right. you know, we're all part of that scene you know with, you know the guys okay. in Dale and Burst and those guys and that's the the yep. relationship with Ian came about through those guys he recorded the EP that we did and did sound for us as well and yeah, yeah I right. make a point of it. I usually just about every extreme metal show I go to I see him there or thereabouts and I I um I always make a point of bumping into him and and I've told this story a couple of times too but he's a he's such a fucking good guy in and I'll give you an he example is, man. But yeah. I was I was I was um, booked to catch up with Kurt from Metal Church, not the recent time they came out, but just before. You know we get along, so I thought yeah, we'd, yeah. we'd catch up after the show upstairs at the old Crowbar there. And um, the fucking security guard. I mean, I, I wasn't drinking, but he was not letting me anywhere near it. He was being a real fucking prick, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know how they are sometimes. Like, I, like it just everybody's a cunt, and you're one too, sort of thing. And Ian came over and argued the point with him. And and fucking hell, man, that's that's a brother right there. You know, that's for someone to do that. You know, and I ended up getting upstairs and being able to catch up with Kurt and poor old Mike Howe before he passed away as well.
0: Well, uh, it's good that Ian did that because Ian knows you, and Ian knows who you are and why you would want to do it. and And you're not a dickhead, so yeah, that's really good that he did that. Really good.
1: I know, it's that's what I mean. It shows boat. the camaraderie, though, doesn't it? I know. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll never forget that he yeah. did that. It's a, it's You could say it's a little thing, it's a neither thing or whatever, but, I mean, this this security guys, are, I, I'd seen him, I'm pretty sure it was the same guy drag somebody out almost by their bloody hair out of the Watane gig. So yeah, I thought. Right. I thought, you know, some of them, you know what some of them are like. They're either really cool yeah, or they've got chips. Like, and, yeah. If I'm ever on stage at anything like anything
0: extreme and I see any of these guys stepping out of line, I'm calling them on it. Yeah. Don't worry about that. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Hasn't happened yet, but I, I always keep my eye on them.
1: Yeah. Well, I just noticed, too, the, the Islander boys are usually pretty chill and they can handle things. But some of these white guys that are on fucking steroids, mate, they let it, yeah. the power go to their head. And Yeah, yep, yep. You know, yep. I've just it's just something that I've noticed and observed. And, yeah, there was just that one interaction there that I had that just sort of cemented it for me, in my opinion, about Ian. So I haven't even told him about that story. It was a lot going on that day, but... You know. You'll
0: um, you'll like this from a bass player's point of view. So, <laughs> <laughs> so motorised have done this right? And we walk off and um, uh, went out, Scotty and Aunt went out in the back for a smoke. And um, Ian comes out and he's like, "Oh, that was good." And I said, "Yeah, we had fun." And he goes, "Oh, you'll uh, you'll appreciate this." I said, "What?" He goes, "Oh, you were that loud on stage. I didn't even need to have you in the front of house." <laughs>
1: That's a that's a hell of a compliment Oh yeah Yeah You
0: know when we were sound checking that day The other guys are going You're not actually going to play that loud are you And I went it's a Motorhead tribute What are you really
1: Fucking oath I am Yeah Yeah that's awesome man Yeah Yeah Oh, that's it. But I I guess the question I was going to ask after all that, you know, with Portal and, you know, with um, Scotty and Misery and Damon and stuff, has there ever been discussions about doing like a call it what you will, but effectively the best of the Brisbane underground and put it on at the Mansfield or the back room or something? Uh,
0: Well, no, there hasn't been. But I think I don't, I really don't know with Portal anymore. I, I could imagine they've had... A plethora of offers to get back together, hmm. um, but yeah, I don't know whether they ever will. Just don't know. You just don't know with them. No. no idea. It's never been floated. Um, with a problem you always have where you want want to get Laceration Mantra and, and Misery on the bill. Yeah. Is the poor old Ant Dog? <laughs> you cannot get him one after another. Like, yes. it's just, like, we played the Canberra Metal Fest in, was it 22? Went down there. So he wanted Misery to go down there and uh, Brad said, oh, yeah, Laceration Magic, come down. It's only one extra flight and accommodation, you know. Mm-hmm. But we had to have, because I said to him, well, you know, I was negotiating on stage slots and whatever, and I wanted a reasonably late slot, but it was like always had to bear in mind, well, Misery are headlining, so all right, got to have at least like an hour between us and so he can recoup before he has to do Misery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, he did a great – was he performed so well that night. Like the set we did was just really, really good, and then he had the time to recoup and then – yeah, their show was really, really good, you yeah. know, so – but you got to have that little bit of a window between the two, you know. Oh,
1: that you do, yeah, that yeah. you do. Look, I'm playing on weekends, uh, most weekends, and, you know, the RSL clubs and the pubs or whatever, and
2: – Yeah, yeah. Mate,
1: it's, it's, you know, three forty-five 45-minute sets, and that's enough, I can tell you that, and that's with a break of about 20 minutes, 25 minutes in between. Uh, yeah, yeah. Call it age, call it whatever you will, mainly just life in general sort of fatigues you. But mate, yeah, extreme metal shows. That's probably, you know, ten times the intensity of some of the cover shows that I'm doing just because of the nature of the beast.
0: Oh yeah, we always yeah. notice it. Like we have we've had a bit of a hiatus recently with both bands because we've been totally focusing on tracking and producing and getting this new album done for Laceration Mantra. Yeah. But I tell you what, I know when we both get when we get back in that jam room to do Laceration Mantra, we are going to feel it, mate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. You really notice it. You know, it's going to be bad enough. So we're back in for rehearsals January the 20th for Motorized. That's going to be bad enough. But, yeah, when it comes to it's another level, the extreme stuff. It really is.
1: Oh, it definitely. I see what you guys do and I admire it a lot. I, I, to be honest, I don't think I could do it. You know, it's not, it's never been in my wheelhouse playing. I love extreme metal, as you can tell, and I'm also yeah, loving yeah. the show, but my musical pathway has always taken me down very different avenues than uh, than extreme metal. And uh, I, played yeah. in a, I played in a, a metalcore band once, and that was, it just did a couple of gigs with them, and... That yep. was so fast. You can relate to this. I had to switch from playing with my fingers to playing with a pick on the, um, on the bass. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I did, yeah. didn't enjoy that, I've got to say, because I play with my fingers and it just was to get that, that driving sound that you need with that sort of thing where you've got the guitars going in a fucking, you know, I don't know how fast they're going, but they're very quick, much quicker than I'm very used to yeah. it that
0: way. Yeah, they are. And, you know, we've really noticed. <laughs> like Anthony said to me the other night, I rang him for something, and he goes, you know what? I was on the boot. I was on the beers the other night, and he goes, "I threw on prolonging the playing just to have a listen," yeah. and he's like, "How the fuck did we do that?"
1: Yeah, that's that's but, pretty bloody full on. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, and that was all the rhythm beds done in two days for that album. Yeah, like that's just yeah. You really you do tend to notice it. As you get older, you've got it. like I was at – my that mate of mine, and I was saying – it's a bass player. was mm-hmm. over at his place the other day and he's – one of his young fellas is I think he's 14. Mm-hmm. He was out in the back shooting hoops, you know, and mm-hmm. he's into basketball. And I said, oh, you know, I used to play back in the day. I'll go out, you know, six foot three, see <laughs> if you can shoot over top of me, give yeah. him a challenge. I was out there for about 15 minutes playing like fairly decent ball – and uh, I said to Corey, "Oh man, that's me. I'm fucked."
1: That sucks, doesn't it? I oh, know your bones feel heavy, don't they, at our age?
0: Uh, I, that that oh. was a real moment for me. I'm in the next week or so. I'm, I got a uh, friend who's got a pool. I'm going. I'm swimming laps. Man, I got to get some aerobic capacity back.
1: Yeah, I do that. I do that too. But I can tell you, you know, swim fits a very specific type of fitness. Like I can get in the pool, like I did yesterday, and um, yeah. I can punch out twenty laps, no problem. Okay. Yeah,
0: right. Oh, you're better than me, man. I'm. But,
1: I'm but what I find is, yeah, and you, you'll get these guys that, that these big units in next year, and they can barely do two or three. But then they yeah, might yeah. be able to run. Whereas running for me is like torture. Yeah, yeah. Different type yeah. of fitness, you know. Well, you've sort of yeah. got to. You've got to choose your. You know, they say choose your poison with alcohol. You got to sort of yeah. choo- choose your. Choose your your method or your poison or whatever. You know, with your fitness, so you got to find the one that works for you.
0: Yeah, well, I think I hate the heat. So if I'm going to increase my aerobic capacity in Queensland's weather right now, I think I need to swim.
1: <laughs> oh, it hasn't been terrible this last week. It's just been. I finally got the bloody mowing done today. You know, after just two weeks of just relentless bloody
0: yeah but that's the thing you'll flood. look out two days time and you'll go oh, did i even do
1: it oh, that's what happened yeah that's what happened just uh, just after christmas i think it was mate. it was terrible yeah
0: you
1: know yeah I know. <laughs> I know and it was just because of the rain that we've been getting so for people listening who are abroad southeast queensland we're subtropical but you wouldn't bloody know it it's it's like being in the philippines at the moment or something it's It been, is. has
0: it the, really is right now it's it's yeah yeah, it's, it's just relentless. And, like, when's, we haven't had this much rain in a summer. It's been a long time. Anyway, I can't remember the last time we had this much rain.
1: Not as consistently, no. And, and yeah. see, I'm northern Gold Coast and we flood. So it goes down. So the, the drainage systems can't handle it initially. And then half an hour later it goes, like, it disappears. It goes through the thing. But... You still floods, so you can you can get not wouldn't say stuck, but we've got a I've got a Land Cruiser, right? So it can generally get through yeah, things yeah. that are, you know, 30, 40 centimeters deep. It's no problem because as long as I can see the rule as long as I can see the the um, the gutters, you know, yeah, or, yeah. or signposts that indicate where the sides of the roads are. I feel like I'm pretty good. Yeah, I know yeah. They, they say there's debris and stuff, but I never had an issue. And we near the cane fields here too at Norwell, and um, yeah, it's it just as soon as it. I, I had a gig up north at North Shore at Noosa. On New Year's Eve, right. I, I drove back and I, I know that part of the world pretty well now. The canefield area there, and I drove through that coming back. and I was like, Oh, fuck. we're in a we're gonna yeah. get absolutely hammered. And yeah, some poor bastard had to get rescued that same probably the same time I was driving through there. It was right. just mate, the water across the road. I could feel the, the land cruiser, a big car, you know, almost three ton or whatever it is. I yeah, could feel yeah. it rocking because of the water that was going under on, on the road.
0: That's scary.
1: Yeah, I was a bit, yeah. mate. I was like, you know, I was like, I don't know whether I've done the right thing here, but I just, I, I know if I travel down there and if I can get through it, I can make an assessment on whether or not we need to get out of Dodge if we do.
0: Yeah, yeah. So
1: yeah, but this this season, man, has just been bullshit. But it has.
0: Know, it's, it's just been just so much rain. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the, and so the right. heat, like. Yeah, the old Queensland summer. Out on the patio, we sit. <laughs> I
1: love, uh, I love all the recent arrivals—the people from New Zealand and Victoria and shit—and they, uh, you know, there's community yep. forums, and uh, they, uh, they still do cane burns near us, and and even worse. Oh right. Yeah, so they'll be like, "Who's fucking been bloody burning shit off?" And people are just laughing at them, saying, "You tool," <laughs> you know. Welcome, welcome to this part of the world. But even yep. worse, we get people putting pictures of cane toads up. They're saying, "What sort of frog is this?" So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, so yeah. I think I think the uh, the recent arrivals are getting a pretty solid introduction to things.
0: A bit of uh, ornithological uh, trivia for those interested out there: um, the uh, bin chicken. <laughs> I yeah. can't remember their their ornithological name.
1: Ibis. There you go. Yeah. Yes, yep. thank
0: you. They have now worked out a way to eat cane toads.
1: Oh, thank God. Okay. To avoid,
0: right. to avoid the poison. So they pick them up and they shake them around till the cane toad lets go the poison. Yep. And they know when it's uh, finished uh, letting go its poison and then it's tucker time.
1: Good on them. Yeah, well, there's time to
0: devour the toad. So how's that?
1: Yeah, well, there's tons of them. If you, if you, around Stapleton on the motorway there, mate, they've actually had to put up barriers to, because they're a protected species, right? They're native. So they right. um. there's tons of them that get hit by cars and stuff, but there's literally thousands of them down there around Beanley. and yeah. And, um, yeah, and, of course, being where we are, mate, you just get tons of cane toads too, mate, so I think they should get to work.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. They'll, they will be. Don't worry about that. I was amazed by that. There you go. That's nature at work again, isn't it?
1: Oh, like, yeah. The evo- evolution. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yep.
1: I oh, know. Yeah. Mate, yep, it's so, uh, it's been. Uh, a, just, you know, yeah. Go on. I was going to say it's been a killer chat. Is there anything else that, like, anything else in regards to what you're doing musically that you wanted to discuss? Yeah. Well,
0: I was just going to uh, say. So we've we've got ideas already for um, where we want to go with artwork for the new album. Um, I think last week we'd. Really come close to where we want the mix to be, mm-hmm. which has been a challenge, as you know, back and forth, back and forth. But I think last week, we're pretty much, I'd say we're 90% there. So I've got, and everything's done to a click, which was fantastic for this album. So I've got two tracks of bass still to go. Mm-hmm. And Scott's got. Probably, oh, I think he's probably got six solos and uh, extra overdubs to do on guitar, mm-hmm. and we're there.
1: Wicked.
0: So hopefully won't be too much longer till tracking and the mix is done.
1: So, so you're only for middle of the year thereabouts?
0: I would say yes, yes. I think middle of the year is a good estimate. By the time we finish the mix, get the mastering done, artwork done, shop it around, um, and decide where we want to go. I want to try and I've got a bucket list item. I I still haven't had anything go to vinyl that I've been involved with yet. Oh,
1: yeah, you got to, yeah. Aside from a single
0: years ago when I was in the rock band, but this one I really want whoever's going to do it to go to vinyl. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be shopping it around a bit, um, to achieve that goal. So hopefully um, we can get that to happen and go from that. Ideally, I'd really like to try and work with a label who's got some foot in the door. Deals with agents overseas would be lovely. So then it can be more so the label saying to the agents, yep, we want to push this, so bang, 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 we want to get them on this, this and this. Yeah. In a perfect world, that's where we want to be.
1: And look just with the the artwork too are you working with Tony again?
0: Uh, I don't think we will be on this one. All right. I don't I I'm not sure um but I'm I don't think we're going to be. I'm not sure. I haven't really we haven't really spoken about it so I can't really say one way or the other. Sure. Um but we ha- also haven't spoken to him yet about it either so we re- it's at that side of it's up in the air. Um, with what we're going to do. But we do have ideas where we want to go with a lot of
1: it. It'll be magnificent either way. I know it will be, mate, based on the track record and the personnel. You guys, you know, you guys are as seasoned of professionals in this business as anybody could be from anywhere in the world, mate, so you'll get the tone just right.
0: I hope so, yeah. Um, Yeah, so, yeah, and as for motorised... we do want to be playing more this year than last year, so all I can say to anyone who's interested in, in checking that out, just keep an eye on the uh, Motorized Facebook page. That's it. Uh, that's where the uh, upcoming shows will be uh, put up first.
1: Yeah, and you'll obviously have some... You will. Is the intent to have some shows too when the Albums, the Laceration Mantra album is released Oh, well? yeah,
0: that'll be... Um, We'll try and organize an East Coast run uh, for that. Um, there's a couple of things coming up. I know, yeah, well, we'll be talking to people and trying to organize an East Coast run shows for that. Yeah, we could. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, when the time comes. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, likewise, man. I can't wait to see you guys live. You know, Maceration Mantra. Um, you know, whether it's Vinnie's or uh, one of the uh, one of the Brisbane venues or what have you, mate, go for it.
0: Yeah, and uh, look, we I th- we haven't played Vinnies with Motorized either, so we might get down there and do that. Oh, um, yeah, maybe February awesome. sometime. We'll see what happens. But yeah, keep an eye out for that if you're on the Gold Coast. And again, thanks very much to you and Scars and Guitars for uh having me on for a chat. I've thoroughly enjoyed it.
1: It's a pleasure, mate. Look, anytime, anytime you want to have a chat about things or what have you, just, you know, releases or just talk shop or whatever, I'm always up for it, man. I'd bid for this too. So it's uh, great to finally talk to you too, Rob. I've got to say, you're one of those blokes in the scene that I've had. Uh, you know, when you, you have an awareness of somebody, I've had an awareness of you now for years like I had with Scotty and I only, I only caught up with Scott last year after all of those years. So, um, mate, it's a pleasure to finally talk to you.
0: Yeah, likewise, mate.
1: Well, there you have it. What a tremendous chat. Rob Reef, ladies and gentlemen, from Laceration Mantra and Motorize. Great stuff. All right, if you enjoyed that chat, there are more like it over at scarsandguitars.com. And if you like listening, I know you like reading because you're a smart person and you're in luck on that front because I've written a book about many of the conversations that have taken place in the podcast titled Scars and Guitars conversations from the world of heavy metal and beyond volume one because volume two is in it's in the works it's being worked on right now as a matter of fact god knows when it'll come out but letting you know there's another one coming if you like the first one and many people have i appreciate that too the comments the messages it's all good all right so some more information to share with you about the book in the moment before we get to that i will bid you a fond farewell my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast. Until next time, it is a very goodbye for now.
0: This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay smith
1: I've been the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast since 2017. The first musician I interviewed for the show was David Vincent from Morbid Angel and things have just snowballed from there. In all... I've posted almost 650 podcast episodes featuring conversations with many of the leading lights of rock, heavy metal and beyond. It just got to a point where I thought, I need to write a book about all this, so that's exactly what I did. In Scars and Guitars Volume 1, you'll read a heap of deep reveals and commentary, such as Des Fafara talking about Coal Chamber, and why the band will never return.
0: You know, if you're a, a band just starting out, you need to hear me.
1: Do not start a band with partners, ever. Yeah, wise words, uh, sage advice, mate, for anybody. No, like ever, because I,
0: I can't go do Cold Chamber right now unless I get others involved.
1: Phil Anselmo talks about the episode in his career, which gives him the greatest sense of accomplishment. I think the
0: staying power of the, the fans and the staying power of the... I, Of the songs, you know, whether it's Pantera, Down or Superjoint, the fans remember the songs.
1: Alex Skolnick from Testament confirms that, yes, playing the guitar in Ozzy's band is anything but an ordinary gig. Will Silenos from Demu Gear write a book? Pa from Sabaton gives advice to people who want to start a band. Look at the team around you, look at the bandmates. If if the guys want to be on the stage, then it's all cool. If the guys wanna be backstage, then it's not gonna be cool. Current and former members of Cradle of Filth discuss the band's seminal 90s material. Read about the reaction to George Lynch and Mark from Suicide Silence's comments when they throw shade at then-President Donald Trump. We have this idiotic monster, you know, this egotistical, self-aggrandizing
2: Complete piece of shit in there. I, I, I just, I just can't understand how we've gotten to this place.
1: And yeah, we kicked a hornet's nest with Sepultura. Acoustic Overlord Gene Hoagland talks about recording with Chuck Schuldiner.
2: Chuck was always, um, you know he was, he was very, you know, very open-minded, and and he was into having his his musicians that were playing with him just reach out for, for the best stuff that they
1: had. Phil Campbell from Motorhead discusses what it takes to get sober. John Five answers his critics who dismiss his tenure with Marilyn Manson.
0: You know, my name is John Five and Manson gave me that name and uh, I had some of the best years of my life in that band and, and learned a lot.
1: And we get the lowdown on Trey Zagtoth from those who would know, including his mother. All across Scars and Guitars Volume 1, there are moments of tension, relief, tragedy, exhilaration, and throughout it all, you'll obtain insight that I believe no one else has managed to obtain from many of your favourite artists. So treat yourself. Scars and Guitars Volume 1 is currently available as an ebook with a print edition on the horizon. Follow the links attached and download a sample. I'm sure you'll be compelled to read the whole book.